We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Isaiah chapter 54 is our text this morning, beginning in verse 1. We'll read through verse 5. As you're turning there, let me encourage you to be back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Remember, we serve dinner from 6 to 6.45 and then adult classes and ministry to the whole family begins at 7 and runs till 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. I heard a cute story this last week. It has really nothing to do with the message, but it was just too good to save, you know? You ever heard one of those? Yeah, a few of you have. Well, it's a story about a lady who hopped into a taxi on the way to the airport. And as she was riding in the back of that taxi, she happened to reach up and tap the driver on the shoulder. Scared him to death. All of a sudden, they almost run into the back of a truck. He slams his brake, barely annoys another, avoids another vehicle, ends up on the sidewalk almost through a plate glass window. When they finally stopped and the jitters were over, she said, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't realize tapping you on the back of the shoulder would startle you like that. He said, oh, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. It's all my fault. You see, this is my first day driving a taxi. For the last 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. Now, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. And you can share that, all right? It's not original. So pass it around. Make somebody laugh this week. Would you do it? Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. From the New King James Version, it says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Now let me pause for just a moment. And let me help you understand the power of that verse. You see, what we just did in praise and worship bears out this scripture. Because when we begin to sing to the Lord, when we begin to give God praise, when we open our mouth and begin to express His goodness in song, it opens the door for God to do something we haven't yet experienced. You and I need to understand there is power in praise. There is power when the people of God in places of desperation choose to give honor and glory to the Father through worship to Him. Can you say amen? We've got to understand the power that is ours and the power that flows when we begin to give God praise in our places of desperation. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. Those of you that are looking for something you've never received, you want to know how to open the gate? Begin to give God praise. Begin to cry aloud. Begin to declare, my God is good and my God does what no one else can do. And his promises over me are yet today. Yea and amen. You who have not labored with child for more of the children of the desolate. Do you understand that promise? He's saying, those of you who have never had a kid, watch what's going to happen. Now, I know I'm not speaking that prophetically over most of you. But some of you in this room need to receive that prophetically. You've been asking and praying and God has been preparing. It's time to say, today is my day, today is my hour, and I'm going to sing even though I haven't seen the fruit thereof yet. Then he goes on to say, the children of the married woman, says the Lord, for more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Staying with the same theme of when we praise and worship Him, God begins to expand our vision. He builds our faith. He gives us the ability to believe for more than we've ever seen before because we are suddenly in the presence of a mighty God who does all things and does them well. 
Because suddenly we're in the presence of the mighty God who has already said through the pen of the apostle Paul, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or even begin to think. Oh, I'm telling you this morning, I serve a God that's bigger than my dreams. He's bigger than my mind. He's bigger than my ability to wrap my thoughts around. My God does exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or even begin to think. Get that in your heart. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You remember from the Message Bible, that phrase is think big. Think big. Oh, so many of us are caught in a small mindset. This is all I am. It's all I will ever be. I've got news for you. You don't know what you can be or will be until you tap into the power of God, until the creative genius of the Holy Ghost begins flowing through your life. But if you will turn loose and let go and let God do something in you, he's going to change your small stinking thinking to great big thinking, and you're going to see things you never dreamt possible. Because that's the kind of God we serve. Do you remember he took about a million Israelites out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt? And he said, I'm going to give you this land. They couldn't think it. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't dream it. They've been slaves for hundreds of years. But God said, that's not my plan for you. Somebody in this room this morning needs to hear it. You have been a slave. You have been shackled. You have been bound. But the word of the Lord to you this morning is, no longer. That chain is broken. God will set you free. That mentality is broken off of you if you'll step in to the power and the promise of God. Reading on in that scripture says, you shall, you shall expand to the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear. You'll not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. And what does that say from the message? It says, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't be reserved. Come on, folks. It's time to go all in with God. It's time to sell out, hold nothing back, and say, use me as you want to use me. Do in me what I'm created to be done in and through me. Make me a difference, a witness, a testimony, a light in a dark world. Come on, it's time to go all in. It's time to sell out to him. For you shall expand to the right and the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Never, neither be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. Don't hold back, for you will forget the shame of your youth. You also remember that phrase is translated, you'll not be sold short. God is not going to leave you holding the bag. I love that song that they introduced this morning about God is able. You need to get it in your spirit. God is able. And every promise he's spoken over you will come to pass if you'll hang on to the word of God. He will not sell you short. God's not in the business of failure. Have you figured that out? On the day when the enemy thought he had won and the world thought they'd seen the greatest failure of all eternity, when Jesus hung on the cross and gave his life and bled out so that you and I could be free, on the day when all those opposed to God thought they had won, 
The victory was theirs. There was nothing else that could be done. They took the one that was called the sinless son of God. They nailed him to a tree. Life left his body. His breath was gone. He was dead. Graveyard dead. Oh, friend, that's where many live. They live between Friday and Sunday. They live in the place of death. They live in the place where dreams have died. They live in the place where they've forgotten the promise of God. But I've come to tell you this morning, if you'll anchor your life in God, you're not going to be sold short. He's not going to disappoint you. He's not in the failure business. It's time for the church of God to arise, take a stand on the resurrection of a living Christ and declare on the worst day, God turned it to the best day. Well, it may be Friday today, but Sunday is already here. It's not just coming. It's here. Victory is yours and victory is mine. You're not going to be sold short. So this morning, I want to talk to you about taking a stand. I want you to understand that when we get these scriptures in our heart, we increase our capacity for the things of God. We increase our capacity for relationship with the Lord and for the power of God to flow through our lives. We see God doing things we never thought we'd see him do before when we choose to take a stand. Choose to take a stand, but it's not always easy to take a stand, is it? It's not always comfortable because we're living in a world that's still at Friday. They're still seeing defeat. They haven't understood the victory. They still see Jesus in a grave, just another man, just another prophet, just another teacher. They fail to acknowledge and recognize that on Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away and he declared, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Oh, come on, church. The hope of the church is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the same power that raised him from the dead now lives in you and me. We've got to get that in our spirit this morning and understand that when we choose to take a stand, when I choose to read scriptures like Isaiah 54, and I choose to say, that's for me. I haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise, but that's for me. When I choose to say, I'm living in a place of desolation, but the promise says, if I think big, I'm not going to be sold short. The promise says, I'm going to inhabit the desolate cities. The promise says, the one who is never born is going to bore more children than the one who has a whole quiver full. Oh, come on, church. It's time to live in the promise. To understand in the place of desolation, we come back and we take our stand on the word of God. We anchor our feet in the promise of God over our lives and we declare, I shall not be moved. Just like the tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Yvonne alluded to it, Paul wrote it this way, For I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know in whom I have believed. When you're in that place of desolation, when you're not seeing the promise fulfilled, it's time to take a stand. It's time to hang on. It's not the time to sell God out. It's not the time to be overcome by doubt and fear and unbelief. And we've talked about all those things in this series already, but it's time to take a stand. 
And it won't always be easy and it won't always be comfortable. Do you realize? I know a lot of folks in the church really don't make this connection. Mentally they know it. Spiritually don't connect it. There's a very real enemy towards your soul. A very real enemy who desires to steal, kill, and destroy. A very real enemy whose designs on your life are destruction. But I've got news for you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Oh, it's time to realize that when things are dark, when I don't understand, when what I'm believing for is not occurring, I don't turn. I don't look for another answer. I don't find another doctrine. I don't listen to another teaching. I take my stand on the Word of God. And I declare I shall not be moved. It's time for the church to stand up and say, Devil, you haven't got enough to move me off of my foundation in the Word of the living God. It doesn't matter what society says. Take a stand. It doesn't matter what culture says. Take a stand. It doesn't matter what your family says. Take a stand. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. Take a stand. It doesn't matter what the banker says. Take a stand. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to grow up and stand on the word of God. To believe that what he promised, he's able also to perform. To believe he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even begin to think. We need to understand the power of God flows through our life. Does that mean life is easy? No, sometimes it's tough. I know that's not very popular, is it? Not at all. We want things easy. We want things nice. We want to be loved, liked, and respected. i got news for you. You're living in a hostile culture, in a hostile world. Don't expect everybody you rub shoulders with to like you. Don't expect everybody to love you. You can expect some friction. You can expect some pushback. But the good news is, Jesus said, you can read it in John chapter 6. Jesus said, why do you think they aren't going to hate you? They first hated me. Why do you think they aren't going to abuse you if they abuse me? Oh, come on, friend. If we're followers of Christ, if we're true disciples of the living God, there will be opposition. There will be resistance. There will be pushback. But the good news is our God is greater. I am victorious. Oh, man, I almost slipped there. I almost started to sing that song. Tom would never have forgiven me. Oh, but I got it in my spirit. I am victorious. I am victorious. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the politicians do or don't do. Through Jesus Christ, we are victorious. See, we need to learn to take a stand because so many times the church has so diluted the gospel, homogenized the gospel. You know what that term means, right? I grew up on a farm milking cows. Every glass of milk I was forced to drink was whole milk straight from the cow. Some of you like that. I hated it, to be honest with you. It just had a nasty taste. It was strong. I didn't like it. And it, whatever those cows ate that day, you would taste in the milk. Every time, if they ate stinkweed, you're going to taste it in the milk. But when I went to the store when I was grown and I realized, hey, they sell milk in cartons here. It's homogenized. And I took a glass of that and I thought, man, this stuff really tastes pretty good. Dip a chocolate chip cookie that Miss Yvonne makes in that cold milk. Now that's living, right? There is a difference between the real thing straight from the cow and that stuff you buy at the grocery store. Listen, it's time the church start homogenizing the gospel. 
Let's present it as it is. It may have a bad taste. It may be a little strong. It may not be pleasing to the palate, but it's going to bring strength and encouragement. It's going to change lives. It's time to stop running and stop worrying who we're going to offend because we're preaching the word and take a stand. Take a stand. In our society, even our churches are so polluted with the philosophy that we have got to be so inclusive that it doesn't matter what you're doing or who you are. We want you to be a part. Listen, I'm all for inclusion when it comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to understand the cross is open to everybody. It is level ground. But before you're a part of the church of Jesus Christ, you come through the cross. That's the door. That's the gate. It's not through political correctness. It's not through philosophy or sociology. It's through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Son of the living God that we gain entrance into the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ. So I have no problem telling you homosexuality is a sin. The Bible declares it to be. I don't care if you don't like it. It's true. It's the word of God. Now, do we love homosexuals? Absolutely. And I want to see them born again. I want to see their lives changed. I want to see that lifestyle turned around because that's God's plan. That's God's plan. We need to understand that alcoholism is a sin. And the way out is through deliverance, through the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can go to seven, 12-step programs your entire life, but until you encounter the higher power, you will never be set free. And that a high power isn't some nameless, faceless God of anywhere and everywhere. That higher power, his name is Jesus Christ, who died and rose again from the dead, who loved you while you were yet a sinner, that he might redeem you and set you free. It's time for the church to take a stand. We need to understand that our culture and our society will do everything in its power because it's controlled by the prince of the power of the air, to pollute and dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to stop apologizing for the word of God. It's time for the church to stop trying to explain away the things of God that are difficult for humanity to accept. Listen, sinful nature is always in opposition to the word of God. But when we're born again, when the blood of Christ dwells within us, when he conforms us to his image and his likeness, when all things have passed away and all things become new, there is a new nature inside of us that relates to, identifies with, stands upon the word of the living God. Oh, come on, church, you're going to preach me silly this morning. It's time to take a stand. It's time to recognize we don't have to accommodate every aberrant doctrine and belief and philosophy that tries to invade the church. Matter of fact, it's time for the church to stand up and say, this is who we are. This is what we believe. We'll not compromise. We'll not give in. Do you remember the three Hebrews? They said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We know our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, he's going to deliver us out of your hand. Oh, come on. It's time to take a stand. It's time for men and women. I talked about this, I think, last August, where we think we are some kind of Wet rags. Believers are milk toast. Believers are pushovers. Doormats. Listen, I've got news for you. I'm a man of God. I'm standing firm in the faith. You want to fight? Bring it on. I'm ready. 
We have got to be a body of believers who will not be pushed around, who will not be bullied, who will not be told you can't do that, you can't say that. We stand on the Word of God, we believe the Word of God, and we refuse to compromise the Word of God. Why? Because it's the Word that brings life. It's the Word that brings liberty. It's the Word that brings freedom. It's the Word that sets men free. We cannot compromise the Word of God. We need to understand that, yes, it may be difficult when we take a stand, but Jesus chose to do it anyway. All the way to Calvary, he took a stand. All the way through all of the offense, he took a stand. Do you realize we're living in a world that's looking for ways for the church to offend them? That's why we have homogenized the gospel, because we don't want to be offensive to sinners. We want to be palatable. We want to be acceptable. We're seeing it all around us today when people who don't get their way go nuts. They're offended. And it isn't just out there. It happens in the church too. You know, it's kind of hot in there this morning. I'm not going back. It's kind of loud in there this morning. I'm not going back. Get some earplugs. It's kind of cold in there this morning. I'm not going back. I didn't like the way that guy preached. I'm not going back. We are looking to be offended. It's time for that attitude to die in the church of Jesus Christ. A true believer isn't seeking offense. A true believer is living without offense. He is able to say, and we're going to talk about this in two weeks. He's able to say, you're not going to offend me because I'm not going to let you. You know, I've been in a lot of places. I've been in movie theaters that are hot. The air conditioning's out. But I paid to get in, so I'm going to keep my seat. I've been in restaurants where the food was cold, but I paid to get there, so I'm going to eat it. You see, we kind of somehow change the philosophy when it comes to the church that it's got to suit me. The music has to be what I like. Look around you. We have four or five generations in this congregation this morning. I assure you, every song we sing doesn't appeal to everyone. I promise you that. But you've got to come to the place as a believer where you say, I recognize it's not about me, it's about Him. It's not about my likes and my preferences, it's about Him. And if you like uh, old hymns, then buy a CD, put it in your car, and play it every time you get in the car. Let it feed your soul. Let it encourage you. But don't get upset if Tom doesn't sing a hymn. Come on, that's carnal. That's fleshly. That's immature. Love the way you're shouting now. All you guessed, you said, wow, I didn't know I was going to come into a church like this. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. It doesn't get any better. You pretty much get the real thing every time you walk in the door. I'm not here to coddle you. The first church I pastored, I followed a guy who had been there 42 years. His wife's philosophy was if I have to carry somebody to heaven on a pillow, I'm going to carry him to heaven on a pillow. You understand I walked into that, and you know me, I haven't changed much in these 25 years of pastoring. And they began to come with me, come and do this, come and do that, do this, do that. And I said, time out. That's not my job. That's not my role. That's up to you. I give you the word. You accept the word. You grow in the word. You mature in the word. You become a disciple so that you can then disciple others. It's not about me coddling you into the kingdom of God. You know the problem with that philosophy? 
You have a very small crowd. That's the problem with that philosophy. Because you can only coddle so many people at a time. Come here, Daniel and Jessica and Chris and Yvonne. Come right up here with me. Hurry, 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 hurry. I don't have time to waste. See, I've got four people right here beside me. And my arms are long. But four is all that I can wrap my arms around. Four is all that I can coddle. So when they're crying and whining and complaining, I can only carry four. When they're needy, I can only carry four. When they want something I don't want to do, I can only carry four. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. My arms aren't big enough to carry any more than just four. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're going to coddle people into heaven, your crowd is pretty small. But if you'll challenge people to be a disciple, if you'll challenge people to be a follower of Christ, if you'll speak the word into their lives, and I'm talking about you now, not me. Speak the word into their lives. Challenge them with the promise of God. Don't allow them to turn from that place where they've taken their stand. Oh, hear me, that's the problem. Christians say, I'm going to stand on the word of God. But the first time there's a problem, the first time there's a difficulty, the first time there's adversity, we turn and run. We find a hidey hole. i got news for you. God wants you to stand in times of adversity. That's why he said, sing, O barren one. You who have not born, you're going to have more than the married woman. Sing, oh barren one, in that time of adversity, take your stand on the promise of God. And listen, when your mama starts telling you how bad life is and how bad God is, I shouldn't say that, so I won't. I started to say slap her into next year. Anyway, <laughs> said it anyway. You need to understand you speak faith. You speak hope. You speak encouragement. You speak reminders that God is true and every man is a liar. That God has overcome. You don't allow someone to rob themselves of the victory and the promise of God because they haven't learned how to stand. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them. When the doctor said Yvonne had cancer, we stood on his word that my God is a healer. My God is able. Two years have passed. She's cancer free. Come on, somebody. We need to understand there is power. There is authority in the word of the living God. We need to learn to stand. Not be moved by culture. Not be moved by negativity. Not be moved because something didn't set right with me. Psalm 119, or, yeah, Psalm 119, 165 says these words. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. How we come to the place where as we expand our capacity for God, we remove ourselves from being offended. You see, that's the key. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. That's why I can have somebody cuss me up one side and down the other and I think, that's your problem, not mine. Do you offend me? No, I feel sorry for you. I wish you'd get a clue. You're not helping yourself or anyone else. Come on, church. We cannot live in the place where we're always offended. And the church has lived in that place for way, way, way too long. It's amazing to me how easy it is to rob a believer of his peace. What does Satan come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. He steals your peace. If he steals your peace, then he steals from you that ability not to be offended. Because it's lack of peace that brings offense into our hearts and into our lives. 
See, so many of us are trying to not offend anyone. If you're going to be salt, if you're going to be light, you will offend someone. Now, you may not be cantankerous, and I hope you're not. You may not be difficult, and I hope you're not. But when the rubber meets the road, you take your stand, and if someone's offended, so be it. So be it. So be it. We cannot be so worried about not offending sinners and not offending shallow Christians that we don't stand on the Word of God. The Bible is offensive to the sinner. You realize that, don't you? Because it points out our faults, points out our shortcomings, points out our failures. But don't stop there. It also shows the road of redemption. It also shows the path of righteousness. It also shows the power of grace. It tells me this is who I am, but this is who I can be. So when you're standing in that place on the Word of God, be sure to offer some hope as well. Amen? Be sure to offer a way out. Amen? Remember the great theologian Mary Poppins? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Come on, take your stand. But not as an offensive person on the Word of God, understanding that when I take my stand, I'm going to provide a way of escape, a way of hope, a way of redemption as well. You and I as believers need to know if we're living the truth, speaking the truth, engaging the truth, some will be offended, especially the religious crowd. Especially the three songs and offering a sermon and a benediction crowd. They don't want anything to mess with the rules or regulations. They want everything controllable. I mean, you think I'm off track. Well, why don't you take a look at Jesus? Why don't you take a look at he, who he intentionally offended regularly? The religious crowd, the Pharisees. You know the Pharisees, I've told you this, I've taught you this. The Pharisees as a group began under the reign of Nehemiah. When he came back and built the wall and restored the law, then the Pharisees rose up to protect the law. The problem is they so wanted to protect it, they built fences around it. They added commands around it so that nobody could get close to breaking it. So they had all these commands, all these traditions. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, your traditions violate the command of God. He said, your traditions negate the commands of God. You've been fences around it. Jesus took offending the Pharisees into an absolute art form. So taking a page from Jesus' book, I decided years ago my mantra is offend a Pharisee today. Offend a Pharisee today. We need to confront religiosity which does not redeem, does not liberate, but only enslaves. It's in your notes, but remember it. If you fear man, you're going to offend God. If you fear God, you're going to offend man. It's really that simple. It's time to stop playing defense, worried about who we might offend, and take a stand as the church of Jesus Christ. It's okay to declare, this is what the Word of God says. Last summer, when that whole transgender bathroom issue came out, I stood here in the pulpit and I said to you, it's not going to happen at Christian Heritage. If you have boy parts, you better be in the boy restroom. Because if I catch you in the girl restroom, I carry a sharp knife all the time. We need to understand it's time to take a stand. What do you believe? What are you willing to die for? Where is your line in the sand? Where are the Joshua's and the Caleb's of today 
who will see the promised land and say, with God's help, we are well able. Yeah, there's giants there. Yes, there's an enemy. Yes, it will be a fight. But we are well able. God will go before us and bring the victory. Where are the Joshua's and the Caleb's in the church of Jesus Christ today? Where are the people of faith who will say, I will stand for God's word and God's principles in this society. See, I'm convinced God's looking for warriors. He's not looking for wimps. We got enough of those. He's looking for warriors. He's looking for men and women with the backbone who will stand in the face of a counterculture and dare to spark a revolution. Dare to bring a revival. Dare to invade a society. Dare to touch people that we've left alone for years because we thought they were too far gone. He's looking for people who will stand and be a part of a revolution that brings men and women back to the living God. Do you remember what happened to the Israelites? Joshua, Caleb, the other ten, I don't even know their names, do you? Probably not. The twelve spies came back, two of them said, we can do this. Ten of them said, no way. The giants are too big, the fight is too great, the enemy is too strong. No way. And what happened? Forty years they chased their tail. Some of you know what that means. You ever seen a dog running in circles, chasing his tail? Yeah, forty years they chased their tail. They went in circles. They didn't get where they were supposed to go. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness because ten men refused to take a stand. Ten men said, it's too tough, it's too hard, we can't do this. Two men said, oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. With his help, we are well able. May I remind you, God promised us in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, I will not sell you short. You're not going to be embarrassed when you stand on the word of God. When you take your stand in the promises of God, God will see you through. We used to say in Oklahoma, that if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs... The one that yelps gets hit. So you need to understand in the church of Jesus Christ, that's still very true. Because when we are speaking the word of God and you're living the word of God and you're practicing the promises of God, those religious folks around you are going to do some yelping. They're not going to like it because it doesn't fit in their definition of who God is and what God can do and what's acceptable in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, we've got to come to the place where we say, I don't really care about acceptable to man. I care about acceptable to God. Let my life be pleasing to him. I want to fear God and run the risk of offending man rather than fearing man and run the risk of offending God. You've got to realize that people who are walking around with the chip on their shoulder waiting for for you to knock it off are going to be offended. Just the way it is. Just the way it is. And you've got to brush that off and move on, providing you understand I'm living on the promises of God. I'm believing the Word of God. I will not compromise what God has declared to me. I would rather offend somebody today and make them understand hell is real and forever. Heaven is real and forever. Salvation is real. Deliverance is real. That God can do something in your life. I would rather offend someone today and cause them to turn to Christ than one day stand at the judgment seat of Christ and hear them say, Steve, you knew that and you didn't tell me. I thought you were my friend. I thought you cared for me. Why didn't you speak up? Well, I didn't want to offend you. 
So as a result, your soul was damned to hell. Folks, I know this is heavy stuff, but we got to get it today. We've got to understand it's time for the church to stand. If we say we believe in evangelism, then when Daryl puts together an evangelistic effort, we need to show up in mass and go do it. Go reach somebody for Jesus. If we see we believe in visiting the sick and the homeless and the prisoners, we should be involved in the prison ministry. We should be involved in the food pantry every Wednesday morning. We should be involved in doing something that belays or betrays our belief, that shows our belief. We've got to come to the place where we are more concerned with pleasing God, being acceptable before God, than pleasing man and being acceptable before man. It's a poor Christian and I'm winding it down. We're going to get through the notes this morning. It's a poor Christian who lives a life that offends no one. It's a poor Christian who lives a life that offends no one. Why? Because he's closeted. His faith is secret. He doesn't talk to anybody about who God is and what God has done. He wraps it up and bottles it up and he contains it only for himself or herself. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is going to all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Them who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Them who believe not shall be damned. The plan of God is you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. The plan of God is this promise is to you, to your children, to all them that are afar off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. The plan of God is take a stand. The plan of God is know what you believe, know what you're willing to die for, and take a stand. Take a stand. There's a story that comes out of the Alamo, March 5th, 1836. Colonel William Travis called the people together. They'd been under siege by Santa Ana's army from Mexico for 13 days. Travis knew that the end was near because there were 1,500 Mexican soldiers outside of the Alamo. He had 189 men inside those walls. He knew there was no way they could ever defeat that strong of an enemy. He knew they had three options. Number one, they could surrender and be executed because Santa Ana had said, anybody that's left alive is going to be killed. He knew they could try to break through the lines and be killed, butchered by that Mexican army. Or he knew number three, they could choose the way they die. They would stand their ground. They would believe that their cause and their life was worth something. So early on the morning of March 5th, 1835, history tells us that William Travis pulled all of his men together. He asked them to step out from where they were at in their quarters, come out into the courtyard of the Alamo. And if you've never been there, you ought to go. It's a great place. And then he told them, these are our options. And he said, I am choosing to stand and fight and to die. I understand. I'm going to die. And then legend, I don't know if this is a fact, but legend says he took his sword and drew a line in the dirt. He took his sword and drew a line between himself and those men who were following his leadership. He took his sword and he drew a line of demarcation that said, this is what I'm willing to do. What are you willing to do? He drew that line in the dirt all the way across in front of those men. It was in front of each and every one of those individuals who had to make a decision, will I take a stand? Will I take a stand? He drew that line. 
And then he said to them, if you're willing to take a stand, if you're willing to sacrifice your life for a greater cause, if you're willing to understand tomorrow we may die, but we're going to die like men. We're going to die defending the freedom for the state of Texas. Step across that line. History tells me 187 of those men stepped across the line. Two did not. What does that tell us? It tells us everybody ain't going to follow you. It tells us everybody ain't going to have the same courage you have. But if you will show that courage, most will. Most are simply looking for a leader, and that leader can be you who will say, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to stand on the word of God. It doesn't matter what I see. It matters what I've heard. It doesn't matter the outward events. It matters I have determined to give my life for a cause that is greater than me. And that cause is eternity. Ushers, would you come this morning, please? You're going to prepare to service in communion. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room today. You're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you were to pass from this life to eternity today, your destination would not be heaven, it would be hell, because you've never accepted the Lord in His sacrifice. Today, the Spirit of God has been talking to you as I've spoke. And He's been convincing you that this is the day for your salvation. This is the day for your life to turn around. This is the day for your eternity to be altered. I'm not going to ask you to come forward right now. I'm simply going to ask you to slip up your hand and pray with me. And as we pray together, God is going to do a work in your heart and your life. So if you're here this morning and you need Jesus to come into your heart right now, would you slip up that hand? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I need Jesus to come into my heart and my life. I need him to forgive me of my sins, to change me. I said, wait just a moment. You need Jesus. Oh, this is the greatest decision you'll ever make, folks. The greatest action you'll ever take is to move towards Jesus Christ. So wait another moment. Is there a one? This morning then I'm going to speak to you as though you're the body of Christ. I'm going to speak to you as though you know him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet. The usher is going to hand you the element of communion. The cup and the wafer are not the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. They represent the body and the blood of Christ. So this morning, as we take these elements, we're coming back to the cross where it was all one for you and me. We're coming back to the sacrifice where it was all accomplished for you and me. Go ahead and open that top, take that wafer out, get ready to receive those elements of communion. Worship team, would you come back? And would you sing that song one more time, God is able, as we receive the elements of communion. Come on, I want you to sing it out. Get this in your heart and get this in your life. God is able. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church 
Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.